previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. I don't want to kill him because it's someone that we know, but like that is absolutely a terrifying thing to have happen. I kind of, as I shove it up at him, I say, settle down, Calvin. And he, the fire catches on all of the paper on, on the front of him and just starts to burn. Sicard, Father Sicard, you spoke to me earlier. Where are you? He's sitting up there. He has his pistol sitting next to him and he's got his hand on it. And his leg, you see, is entirely crystallized. What are these? Images of my muse, the Cathedral Notre Dame. Have you ever met the organ player here at the church? No, Father, I have not. Every night since then, I come up to this very spot and I will myself to have the strength to stop Capote, but I don't think that I can do it. Well, Father, I believe that I can. And Monty, for the first time, you get a chance to really look at the play on these pieces of paper. And as you reach the ground floor of the apartment, you come to a sudden realization that it's your handwriting. That's simply not possible. Paris, 1895. It was pitch black in Montgomery Hogg's room when he woke with a start. It was early in the morning, he had gone to sleep hours before, and it took Monty a moment to realize what had roused him. He held his index finger out in front of him to look for a wound. He was sure that he had felt a pinprick, and that's what had awoken him. But it was too dark to see. He put his finger in his mouth to stop the bleeding, but he removed it almost instantly. His finger was covered in something, and it didn't taste like blood. He swung himself out of his bed, knocking something to the floor. He heard it clatter to the ground as he stood. He stumbled over to his desk where he knew he could find a candle, flinging open the curtains on the way to let in what little moonlight there was outside. He fumbled on his desk for a match and lit the candle. It had been nearly used up, and the light it provided didn't illuminate the whole room. He looked down at his hand and saw that whatever was covering his fingers and hand was not blood. It was much darker, like oil. He had worked on enough trains with his father, and this certainly looked like oil. He reached down to grab the candlestick, wanting to get a closer look at the substance on his hand. As he scanned his desk, he saw that the surface was covered in papers. Papers that hadn't been there when he had fallen asleep. Ignoring whatever was on his hand, he grabbed for one of the sheets of paper and held it close to the candlelight. It was entirely covered with incomprehensible scribbles, words written over the top of other words, over and over again so that he could barely make any of them out. It looked like the work of a madman. In that moment, Monty started to panic. He didn't want to know what these papers were, where they came from, or what was written on them. He wanted them gone. He held the first up to the candle flame and it started to burn. He let go just as it dissolved into ash and grabbed for another. He burned it as well and grabbed a third and a fourth and a fifth, burning them in turn. As he reached for another pile, he realized that the moonlight, along with the light from the flames, larger now as he burned the sheets of paper, allowed him to see more of the room. He looked back toward his bed and saw that the same dark liquid that covered his hand had soaked his sheets as well. In fact, nearly every surface of his bed was wet and covered in the liquid. Looking down, he saw that it had started to drip and pool on the floor. 
Sitting next to the pool was the thing he had knocked out of the bed, the thing that had pricked his finger and woken him up. It was a pen, which meant that the liquid was... But no, how was that possible? It seemed unimaginable, but Monty was now sure that his hand, his clothes, his bed, and now the floor of his apartment was covered in thick black ink. So when I was deciding to start this little endeavor, um, I knew that you know to, to make up for all of my many shortcomings, I had to really bring in the big guns for this, this first adventure. But what I didn't realize was that I would bring in three people who all have a theater background or some theater <laughs> experience. Now, before I, before I ask them about their theater experience, I will say, my own is limited to uh, a sixth grade production of a, uh, a play called The Case of the Lost Parts of Speech, in which I played the titular character, uh, or not titular character, but the main character, Herb the Verb. Oh. Yes, I am in that's, that's an actory part. That's like an actory actor part. They talk about that. Um, and so, yeah, so that was the beginning and ending of my acting career. Um, but all three of you, I think, have some uh, some acting experience, so I'd love to hear about that. I have the least, so I guess I'll go first, <laughs> right? Because the least, quote unquote. But you you did a good bit in high school. Uh, yeah, but I did I did the smartest thing you can do with with any kind of theater background, because all anyone talks about is like, no matter how good you are, it's really hard to make it. Obviously, there's such a small percentage, and what is making it? You have to have a backup plan. We've heard it all. So what I did was I did it in high school, uh, junior year, great job. I mean, I'm uh, five stars to myself. No plays my senior year. Go to a college, try out for like one show, be like, ah, the people are intense. Quit theater forever and forever have everyone just be like, ah, you could, you were so good. <laughs> oh, think about how you know, were good. And I could be like, oh, yeah, you know, who knows what would have happened. Maybe I would have been playing Willie Loman on I would have been a waiter at a singing ice cream store. But because I didn't try, and this is advice, kids, because I didn't really try, I don't have to deal with any disappointment. <laughs> if you just don't try. That's a very good point. Da da da, life lessons. You, your your turn in uh, what is it? Is it uh, was it? Guess who's coming to the man who dinner? The, the, the man who came the to dinner. Not guess who's coming to dinner. dinner. No. The man who came to dinner. I was playing the Nathan Lane. I was more of a Nathan Lane, not a Sydney Poitier. That's a Monty Woolley, if you will. Yeah, your but your turn in that does get talked about. Uh, oh, it, it does. It's like they talk about it. I mean, in my house. Right, I was going to say, in your family, it's uh, not random people I meet in the street. Yeah, the bishop. The bishop apparently really liked me. 
unlike the people who are talking about my performances, Herb the Verb, of course, which is <laughs> widespread across Celebrate. the Midwest. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know we were being DM'd by a headliner. <laughs> yeah, there's, but there's, you know, there's a, there's a way to play Herb the Verb, and there's a way not to play Herb the Verb. That's and right. Both of them are equally as tempting. I really, uh, I really leaned into the, uh, the uh, speak singing. Um, yeah, you know that, that, yes. you know that is of course very popular now. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of—I don't want to say you invented Hamilton. <laughs> me, me, not being able to hit high notes and being like, "Well, why practice? I'll just cut it off and talk." <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda was at that Herb the Verb performance. Oh, that's right. He like, and he was so inspired. He I got an idea here. <laughs> That's uh, that is the next big uh, Lin Manuel Miranda Broadway show is going the to case be of the, the lost parts the case of, speech, of the yeah. lost parts of speech. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. my name's heard the verb, and I'm here to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't that's, do that. That's how it don't goes. Do that. That's Hamilton. That's, that's Hamilton. No, that's. <laughs> my name's Aaron Burr, and I'm here to say, hey, Alexander Hamilton, get out of my way. For the, for the record, this is a pro-Hamilton podcast. I want to make that clear. I was say, I don't know that you speak for everyone on the podcast, but... That's, that's one guy. That's one guy. I can't speak for an entire podcast, but I... <laughs> Em, what was your what was your theater thing? Oh, I was worse. I, I was a thwarted <laughs> theater kid. Like, I never really went to a school that had a big theater program. And so I wanted to do it, but had no outlet for it. So I was, like, the regular amount of theater kid annoying, but, like, with no way to get that out. And so it just all stayed inside and exploded in ways that were probably not super fun for those around me. Um... I uh, no, I, and so I did it when I could, like, but never. I mean, never on the herb, the verb level, man. Like, no, now I now I work for this educational theater company where I do creative drama with children, and so let me tell you, I have honed my craft. If by craft you mean animal noises. Um, because I will get kids to act like a chicken like you ain't never seen before. Like, we are talking full body experience. It's incredible. I mean, you should see them, really. Uh, but that's kind of, that's where my theater experience is now these days. <laughs> do you do a lot of Lovecraft stuff with the kids? Like a lot of oh, Lovecraft they're games. so into it. Like, those little buggers. They like, yeah, the unknowable horrors or something. The kids can yeah. wrap their heads around. Yeah. It's, but, you know, oh, yeah, kids yeah, think yeah. different, you know? Cosmic horror is their thing. Anything with multiple tentacles, really, is what you're looking oh, for. Oh, they yeah, love it's... it. Oh, they're so mm-hmm. cute with their little Cthulhu little, little. Little boys, what do they love? <laughs> Trucks and tentacles. Trucks and tentacles. Yep. It's so great. Oh, man. We're just lucky to lucky to get to see them practice their art. <laughs> That spell, they don't do well on the spelling portion, though, when you're like, can you spell Shoggoth for me? Can you spell- <laughs> what about yourself, Tommy? Uh, I mean, I I did the usual theater kid thing, which was, well, my, my mother directs, directed for many, many years um, community theater. Uh, I remember growing up with that, with her directing community theater. Um consistently up through I mean uh, up until after college for me um, so I would be in community theater shows uh, in grade school and then also in the grade school shows that would 
you know, that were the equivalent of the case of the lost parts of speech, like that type <laughs> of show. Uh, and then once we got into high school, for two years I was at a high school that just forgot that theater was a thing at some point, apparently. <laughs> they only believed in sports, so... But then I transferred to a different high school where um, I actually got to do things like Bye Bye Birdie and, and all of that stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, got to be Albert in that, which is great. Great. Terrific part. Lots of fun. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, went to college where no matter what college you go to, if you're playing lead roles in high school, you try out and you're like, I'm, you know, a side character in these college shows because, like, you know, <laughs> there are people that are better than me at this. Um, and so continued to do some theater into college and then stopped after college, but still kind of, it's, I still do kind of love it, so... Um, yeah, that's my that's my theater background. It's the usual like theater kid thing. And so now your outlet for theater is of course the Yellow King RPG. Yes. Yes, I actually I like <laughs> only like a quarter bit joking, like RPG stuff is sort of my outlet for yeah. for like theater energy. So nowhere else lets me do terrible accents and like just cycle through them as much as I want. True. My wife simply <laughs> does not allow me to do terrible accents at home just for fun. <laughs> no. Even though I try constantly and pester her. And the thing is, because it's such a kind of a low stakes, uh, uh, low, low track, uh, not a lot of people establishing how the game works. If I have a good scene, everyone's going to be like, oh, that guy can really act. And if I have a bad scene, everyone's like, ah, oh, it's, a, it's a tabletop RPG. It's true, no, it's really right. acting. Right. It's okay. It's all improvised. Like, so it's, you're going to remember the good stuff, and then you're going to forget the bad stuff. And this is really just going to add to my legend amongst seven or eight people. It's really That's just like the subclause. Yeah, that really brings it all the way around to why we're here again. This is just yeah. all for Mikey to be able to kind of yeah. re-establish his glory days. My uh, dog. I'm just glad I, I'm honored to be a supporting character to you, Rising <laughs> Star. Uh, mean, hey, listen, mean a lot to a very small amount of people, folks. That's the way to do it. You don't want to mean a little to a lot. Just mean a ton to, like, three. <laughs> All right, so our story is going to continue, um, and we will we'll pick back up with Monty Hogg, um, who is with Francis. They're leaving this apartment where they found Calvin Leith and some horrifying things, um, drawings of churches, particularly of Notre Dame, uh, strange writings, and sculptures. Of, of Notre Dame as well made of paper mache and filled with uh, human organs um, and Calvin Leith they were able to subdue and get some information out of and as they were leaving Monty comes to this realization that the handwriting of the play that was pasted up on the wall and which Calvin said that he learned of the power that he could have from uh, the handwriting was Monty's himself. And so, Monty, before we do anything else, um, I'm going to need you to roll me a composure check. Sure. Uh, I will spend no points on this. This is going to be a flat d6 roll. Like that. Uh, I mean, I got a five. Nice. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm almost disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to fail miserably. 
So you're able to keep your composure um, even amid this realization. Uh, but what is going on in your mind as you see this? I just look at the paper and I stop for a second um, very suddenly to the point where I think I suspect that Francis <laughs> notices me suddenly mm-hmm. stop. Um, this is this is my handwriting. Sorry? What? Mount, we, we need to go. The, uh, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, um, uh, can we just put this, can we put these papers away for, um, I, I'm gonna fold, I fold up the papers, I, and I actually, I'll hand them to, to Francis. Uh, I'll, do you mind hanging on to these, and you, you've got the, your, your satchel, uh, we, um, could you, could you hold on to these, please? Sure. Are you alright? Um, um, no, 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 I'm not, but we have, we have things we need to attend to. Uh, let's, let's just, let's just keep going. Uh, let's just keep going. Uh, yeah. Alright. And so where are the two of you going to head? I think we, we need to go to the, to Notre Dame. We, we were told to come back. Yeah, my understanding, based on your description before, is that it was getting late, it had gotten dark, or was very close to getting dark, so I think we are going to head back to Notre Dame uh, Cathedral. Alright, and so you start heading that way. Meanwhile, uh, Donald, you've just finished up a very enlightening and horrifying conversation with Father Alex Sicard, and you've he's given you his gun, and you have promised him that you are going to handle the problem that he couldn't bring himself to handle. And so as you're heading down out of the gallery or heading down the tower stairs, you pass back by the organ room. You had checked the door before, it was locked, but you keep hearing Father Sicard's voice in your head that it was the organist Baptiste Cabot, who was bringing all of these strange and unnatural things about. The place that you, maybe you even saw him up in the organ room from the cathedral floor when you went in during the day as mass was ending. Perhaps he was even up there looking down. Probably would reach down and check if it's still locked. Just it because is. I'm kind of being, if it still is. All right, could I do a... Uh, athletics roll uh, to see if I can knock it down or break it or open it up, like bust it up. Sure, you can do athletics or you could do sneak to try to kind of jimmy the lock enough to uh, to open it up. Okay. Right. Sick. I'm going to do an athletics check because I don't want to blow. I don't have a lot, a lot of sneak to blow. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do an athletic check and so I'm going to add three. <clears throat> Six. Dang. All right. So you you uh, you put your shoulder into the door. Um, you know it's not it's not one of the nicer, sturdier doors in the cathedral. You know it's probably been replaced relatively recently. And you put your shoulder into it, and the the lock cracks, and you open the door and head into the room. 
And you see as you walk in that the organ room overlooks the rest of the cathedral. And from this vantage point, the pews remind you of the ribs of some great beast rising from the ground. Behind the organ, a stained glass window overlooks the square outside. And you very quickly notice that there are twisting branches of black glittering rock spouting off the organ pipes and weaving around the window, coming off the wall in web-like three-dimensional sculptures. I've certainly never seen anything like this before. Now, can I touch, can I physically touch that, those webs? Are they close enough to me? Yeah, you can. Okay, so I would, I would re, I think he'd reach out and kind of very cautiously run his fingers down one of the veins, like kind of following it. And so as soon as your finger makes contact with the, the, the black, the, the web of black rock, you experience a vision. You're taken away from this organ room and you see clearly in front of you a vision of a Parisian street. There's a signpost sitting outside a cafe that reads La Grenouille, which means the frog. Up above, in a window of an apartment on the higher floors of the building, you see a gargoyle peering out of the window onto the street before it kind of slowly moves back into the darkness of the apartment. And then you see coming from the cracks in the window, yellow goo begin to drip and then flow more steadily out the window and drip down onto the cafe. And then your vision changes. And you're back in Notre Dame Cathedral, but you are here during a church service. And the sound of the organs echoes through the chapel. And you're down kind of on the main floor. You're not up in the organ room where you actually are. And slowly the sound of the organ morphs into guttural growls and whispers forming near human words. Bowed heads of the congregation pop up fearfully to look for the noise's source. And turning around, you see the doors of Notre Dame shine sickly yellow, and the building ripples and warps, stretching out to meld into a lake that flows onto the floor of the church. The water moves of its own volition and starts to form tendrils that spiral around the people in the congregation. One of the tendrils starts to move toward you, and you find yourself moving backward, stumbling back, taking steps. But every step you take creates a yellow haze that starts to fill up the room. You see others running from the tendrils, and their movement whips up more yellow haze, and more and more yellow haze starts to fill the entire cathedral until all that's left is yellow and the sounds of distorted screams. And then you snap back and you kind of jerk your hand away from the black rock. Um, I need you to make me a composure test as well. Yeah, and I'm going mm-hmm. to, in the spirit of what Tom did, this is going to be a pure composure check. And I'm, oh, it fell off. Oh, dear. A two. <laughs> a two. <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to give you a shock card mm-hmm. um, that is called Reality Collapses. Great. What that's going to do is it's going to give you a minus two to sense trouble tests. And you're going to lose one health each time you make a push. And you can also trade it for the card must have been a hallucination on a success that restores normality to the world. 
What's a success that restores normality to the world? I don't know if you... I guess it's purposefully vague. <laughs> it is purposefully vague, <clears throat> but like if you... I don't know, if you were to destroy some sort of unnatural creation or... You know, you were able to solve some sort of mystery that, sol- that that helped you kind of restore normality. You would be able to get rid of it. Does it if you if you like have a check where you were able to bring bring someone back or bring someone out of like a hallucinatory state? Is that or does it have to be normalcy to your world specifically? Uh, no, I would I would count that. I think because okay. it's, it's something that will help you reground yourself back okay. into back into uh, the world. So you flash back into the into the organ room um, and kind of jerk your hand back and you start to look at the webs and look down and you, you know, with your architecture knowledge, you know that this window is centered directly over the main door of the western facade of the cathedral and that the threads of rock disappear behind the organ down in the direction of the door. And so there seems to be some connection between the organ and the black rock that has kind of threaded throughout the stained glass window and the door below, where the ironwork has been replaced that you've already seen. So I think he'd probably take a moment to gather himself, kind of glance at the window, and kind of just shake, try to get himself back normal, and leave the organ room and start heading back downstairs. He's got going to go back on the job for the priest. He's not going to try to think about this. All right, so you head back downstairs, you head up to the pulpit, and it doesn't take you very long to find that some of the decorative engravings on the pulpit are in just the right location to be a latch for a compartment, just like the priest had told you. And you open it up and you find a few glass containers of what must be holy water, a simple crucifix, a small golden box that seems to contain a relic of some sort, and a bottle of black, shiny liquid, um, which you think is the salve that the priest was talking about. I pick it up. I uh, put it, I guess, in my pocket, or if I have, like, a thing I don't think we ever established. I start to walk out the the, the door. Obviously, I'm still kind of... I'm trying not to look at the, the organ and all the the things now that I know and I just put my hand in my pocket grip the pistol and, and make my way towards I guess out on the I'll go out on the plaza alright so you arrive back out on the plaza and that's around the same time that both Francis and Donald or Francis and Monty are arriving back at the at the plaza as well Monty when you get back into view of Notre Dame Cathedral you start to hear something there's like a little just like a little something at the back of your mind at first it just is kind of fuzzy maybe you know you kind of look over your shoulder like maybe is there someone is there someone whispering behind me like is there someone around but it's it's pretty dark and there isn't really anybody out you keep walking a little bit closer you see Donald is coming out of the church and you start walking toward the church and you start to hear organ music at the back of your mind. It's not clear, and it's definitely not coming from inside the church. It almost sounds as though it's coming from inside your pocket. 
and it's it kind of like throbs low in the back of your head. And the modulations that you start to hear in the organ music sound almost like human whispers. And then all of a sudden it stops. I would like to um, reach into my pocket, pull out the pendant, the, the necklace, the black rock necklace. Bracelet. Bracelet. Excuse me, that's what it was. Bracelet. Pull it out. I pull it out and I just throw it. I, and not even in a direct... I just throw it as far away from myself as I can. I then go and I root around in my bag. I pull out my bottle of ink that I carry with me for writing. I take that and I throw it as far away from myself as I can. And then I pull out my journal that I keep and I take it and I throw it as far away from myself as I can. Just everything. The whole thing. I pull out my writing implements and I throw those as far away from myself as I can. Everything. Whoa. And I knocked my dice to the floor. Everything that's in my bag, I throw. Uh, anything, any of my writing implements, any of that stuff that is in my bag currently, which is most of what I keep in that bag is is just thrown as far from me as possible, as well as the bracelet. Marty, what are you doing? I've got to... I can't... I, I cannot... I cannot be party to, to any of this madness that is going on here. I... Did you hear organ music? There's not any organs playing right now. There's no church service. There was organ music playing just a minute ago. There was organ music playing and I heard it. I heard it and it sounded... It... it that thing. That bracelet. Mm-hmm. That Mr. Leith carried. It sounded to me like it was coming, I think, from that. It was coming from my pocket where I was carrying that. And I won't, I, I cannot, I cannot have that on my person anymore. Can I see where it landed? Sure, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a wide open plaza, so yeah, yeah. you would easily be able to. Can I? Francis is going to walk over to it, and she's going to try to stomp on it. And see if, like, I don't know how hard this rock is, but she's going to see if, like, she can damage it. Yeah, you stomp on it. It uh, doesn't seem like it has much, if any, effect. Hmm. Just for good good measure, she's gonna, like, really just grind a heel into it for a little bit, and then she's just not gonna... She's gonna figure it doesn't do anything. And she's gonna walk back to Monty. Yeah, if you look down as you're walking away, you see that maybe some of the designs on it are scuffed a little bit, uh, but you didn't, like, grind the rock down or anything like that. That's fine. Happy to do any little bit of scuffing on that. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Uh, Don, if I, I don't know if either of you are interested in carrying that damned thing around. Uh, I have to know what's going on, but I won't. I, I can't. I can't carry that thing anymore. Monty, if you hadn't gotten rid of it, I was going to make you get rid of it. We don't want that. We don't want anything that has anything to do with what... There's something wrong here. There's something very, very wrong here. And I think that it's in your best interest to go. Because nothing good is coming this way. 
And at this point, you probably, Francis and Monty, both notice that Donald either is carrying or has tucked into his belt a pistol. Donald, what did you learn? You've seen something. You know something now that you didn't know when you left us. I know significantly less. All I know, Francis, is that the man who's coming to work on this store, that man needs to be taken care of. For us, or, or, or this, or, any, or anything to have any opportunity to be rational and normal again, this man needs to be taken care of. That's what I learned. That's what I'm going to do. And you're sure that you're the person that should do that? I don't think there's anybody else. What, what did this man do? You said something, Monty, about hearing organ music? Yes. Come with me. And so I turn and I take them into the, the church. And I, I do, I don't take them up the stairs. I don't take them to the organ room, but I, I gesture. I don't know if they're going to see it, but I gesture to where I saw all the weird stuff coming out of the organ and like the veins and the black stuff. Do you see anything right now? Can I see any of the black veins or anything? No. So from, from down below, you wouldn't be able to see far back enough to see the organ pipes or the stained glass window that's up there. Monty, Francis, I'm going to give you a choice. I can take you to where I've been, show you what I've seen, and we can all be on a, a level playing field here. But the alternative is that you can walk away go home don't worry about what happens to me leave this place there's something wrong in this place right now where we're standing it's wrong no one should know it's your choice Francis I don't know if it would help our friend. Are you interested in recounting any of what we have been witness to? I mean, it's... We've learned and seen things as well. And... Francis explains short version of what, of what happened. You don't want to just go <laughs> beat for beat? In case you weren't listening earlier, folks, last time on our program. Skip ahead to... Uh, I don't know why Skeletor is doing it. <laughs> well, he's always there. He's always with us. And see, that's when Monty kicked open the, the paper mache cathedral. And that's when things went from bad to worse. <laughs> um, so, short summary having been given. Um, so... So, Donald, I agree. No one should have to be seeing these things. No one should have to know that any of this is going on. This should not be going on. But I think at this point, 
It's too late to pretend that it hasn't. What are we waiting for? I have to know what is happening. I have to know what is happening. Please take us up to see this, whatever. This is not, <laughs> this will not be the first cursed organ that I have seen today, which oh, tells you something about my heavens. what is happening. So you're not wrong. I have to see it. Care for a cigarette, Monty? Francis. Yes. It seems like that sort of day. Do you, do you, either of you have anything stronger on your person? I neglected to bring anything with me. Well, why do you think I keep a satchel? Um, and Frances opens up her satchel and does not does her best to avoid touching <laughs> any of the papers that are in there, um, and absolutely brings out one of those half bottles of wine um, that has already been uncorked. So I will just take a swig straight now from the wine bottle itself, mm-hmm. and then I turn around and like like it's very sudden, like I I like grab Monty by the head. And I just look at him and say, no more. You need, I need, no more of that. Turns back around and starts walking up the steps. Francis, thank you. I think our friend does not know what keeps my head clear and what does not. And I'll, well, I'll follow. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go. So you make your way up, um... Francis and Monty, you see that it looks like the door has been kind of knocked off the hinge in some way. Um, and you go inside and you see the same that same thing that uh, that Donald saw before. Uh, the stained glass window that overlooks the square has there are twisting branches of black glittering rock spouting off the organ pipes and weaving around the window, and then dropping down toward the floor in the direction of where the main door of the cathedral is. And it's the same rock that the bracelet was made of. It's the same rock that had embedded itself inside the org- the human organ that you saw inside the paper mache. And I, Don, as he like walked to the door frame, didn't walk in the room, was still part of being back in the room. And he's just staring at like the vein of the thing and he touch it. Go and touch it. Ladies first. <laughs> hmm. Frances is gonna walk up and she's gonna she's gonna look at it um, before she touches it. Is there? I think you said that it was connecting, but like there's there's like little like almost like little ribbons connecting from like organ to window, or is it all in one? Like, is there any sort of in midair? Yeah, so it kind of it, it kind of looks like it grew up the organ pipes and then like almost like a spider web shot off of the organ pipes onto the stained glass and then like dropped its way down the stained glass. I know Francis we, we established earlier in canon. Um, I had a, a a towel of some sort that I used earlier today on Calvin um, that I got back. Is there any way I could try to loop the towel around this weird spider webby projection and try to see how sturdy it is. I mean, now she's, she's stuck in this place of wanting to like break it. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to break, but she's going to want to try that before she tries to just touch it. Sure. So you walk over and kind of loop the, loop this towel or cloth over it and just kind of pull down a little bit. And it seems sturdy. 
doesn't you know you, you won't be able you wouldn't be able to easily break it or bring it down what are you doing at this point uh, Don, or, uh monty i am watching francis <laughs> do this first because um I, I i'm interested to see what happens when she touches it to see if we see anything happen to her when 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 she touches it um i may then <laughs> depending on what happens i may touch it as well <laughs> um, I mean, I think literally before she gives up on this idea, she's gonna like hang from it. She's gonna put all of her body weight on it and see if if that does anything. Uh, it holds. Yep. And she kind of takes her towel back and she's like, "Well, I thought it was worth trying." <sighs> she's gonna grab it. She, yeah, she's gonna try grabbing it. She doesn't know what's gonna happen. She's gonna try. All right, so as soon as your fingers touch it, your eyes kind of glaze over, and Donald and Monty, you would see that as soon as she touches it, it's as if her body kind of goes limp. Um, And she doesn't move at all. Her hand stays in the exact place that she touched it, and she is, like, her eyes don't leave wherever they were focused on right before she touched it. Um, But in that moment, Francis, you are uh, just like Donald was transported to a Parisian street. Um, You see a cafe called La Grenouille. And then up above in a window of an apartment above the cafe, before yellow ooze starts to drip out of the window, you see a gargoyle-like creature looking down at you before backing away back into the darkness. And then it flashes away and you're back in, in Notre Dame Cathedral. During a service, you hear the sound of organ music start to swell, but then the organ music morphs into guttural growls and whispers and people are looking all around. And then the door of Notre Dame turns sickly yellow and starts to ripple and warp and then a lake starts to flow out into the church and tendrils shoot out at all of the congregants and one shoots out at you and you back up and as you move this yellow haze builds up in the church until all that's left is the yellow haze and the sounds of the distorted screams and you flash back into your into the moment in the organ room and I need you to make me a composure check I guess this may actually answer this question. Does she show any distress while this is happening, or is the composure role perhaps going to? She does not show any distress. She just doesn't move okay. for the for the few moments that she experiences okay. this vision. So it's faster to see the vision than it is to to do the rest. Um, I will go ahead and I'm going to spend two more composure points because I knew that something was up with this. I assumed something was up. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Okay, that is a total of six. All right, so you are able to relatively well keep your composure after experiencing this. Maybe it was you being prepared for something strange to happen, um, but you're able to keep your composure. I'm going to go right up to her, as once it's clear that she kind of comes back to herself. And if you get close to me, I am going to reach out and I am going to put my put my hand on your chest and just before you even get to say anything don't don't touch it monty i don't think that'll be helpful at this point 
What was it? And she's going to look out at Donald and she's going to say, was there a cafe? La Grenouille, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. La Fraude. La Grenouille. La Grenouille. And, and the church and the haze. Yellow. Mm-hmm. Yellow, 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 yellow. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, I always liked the color yellow, but I think I am developing a distinct distaste for it. Mani, I think Donald and I just saw the exact same thing. Should I test to see? I think I was the test. I suppose so. I suppose so. And it's... And it's strange, and- isn't it? Because we've... We've had that bracelet and this didn't happen, but it looks to be the exact same. Same material, at least. Neither of you heard organ music. I did. And something time that the organ and black rock, yellow, all of this together. It's all part of some sort of strange... Well, I don't rightly know what to call it, I suppose, but... It all seems to be stemming from the same thing. I am, I am fully on board, I think, with uh, Donald's proposed remedy at this point. I think we need to deal with Mr. Cabo. Did you happen to see where that bracelet landed? Yes. It, I saw it in the plaza. What do you think would happen if we brought that here I don't know I know that it seems that the more we're around this demonic rock the worse things the worse things seem to go for us I don't know I don't know if we want to if experimentation is the answer I don't know I know Monty didn't want to hold on to it anymore and truth be told I didn't really want much to do with it myself, but we can try. What was it you were saying, Monty, the other night, when we were drinking, about mm. the inevitability, what's first, the only thing that's for sure, we're all dead anyway? Was that? Well, I mean, <laughs> if you want the official version, you will have to read the book that I'm currently working on, but... Uh, yeah, the. Uh, I mean, we are all facing the same inevitable end, and uh, there is a certain futility to uh, operations in this world, and that is where I have long stood on the way in which life functions. Why? Why do you bring it up? <sighs> Say, lovey, this is only ending one way. Experimentation. Experimentation is the, the mother of invention. We owe it to ourselves to to try to find a logical end to this. Yeah. When in Paris, let's go and get the bracelet. Um, I'll I'll head down. I know where it was. Um, and uh, although I think I think before I head down, I I kind of say, well, hopefully we find answers. Hopefully. The end is coming. We know how to face it. And to be quite frank, I've been I've been doing the reading for this 
all my life. So I think that if anyone's going to be able to handle this, come to some sort of answer, some sort of end, hopefully it'll be us. And, and then I'll head down and I will once again use my beautiful towel and I will pick it up with the towel so I'm not actually touching it because I really don't want to touch it again. <laughs> so are we still up in the thing? You tell me. Uh, I mean, I think we would probably stay up there, right, Monty? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think we're. I'm just. Francis, we know Francis is gonna go go get that amulet and I'm or the bracelet, and I'm not. I'm interested in answers, but I'm not interested in touching that thing. <laughs> <laughs> we can see out, right? We can see out into the. You you can you can see out um, through the stained glass, so it's a little bit of a blurry view out there. Um, there's a better view, of course, up a level in the gallery with the gargoyles. <laughs> I bet there is. <laughs> you're not gonna touch it, are you, Monty? You're not gonna touch it. Yes, if I can avoid touching it, I, I really don't want to. <laughs> Smart man. That's that's probably for the best. I think one of us should probably keep our wits about us. And why not the one who started with the least? And I kind of like try to on the shoulder, like ah, uh, buddy. But I just insulted him. So like, <laughs> and it wasn't like it wasn't like nice, but I tried. So I just kind of give him like a, all right, pal. You've always had a way with words. <laughs> I've heard that. All right, so Francis goes out and she uses her towel to collect <laughs> for all the good it may do. <laughs> yes, indeed, and then brings it back upstairs after facing her true enemy, the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Like, with everyone's like, why did I decide to be the one? <laughs> so you make it back to the organ room. Uh, you walk inside, and nothing immediately happens. The The bracelet doesn't magnetically get pulled to the rock or anything like that. It, nothing immediately happens. Well, did you have a hypothesis specifically to test, or was it just... And I take it from her. I just take it. I don't, like, protect my hand. And I kind of look at the, uh, the the like vein that we were touching and then I I guess I'll I guess I'm gonna do an athletics check here because I want to throw the rock with the, the bracelet at the stained glass like with the window right because we see the back of it so I want to with the things running through it I'm gonna see if I can bust it up with this thing oh you're gonna try to break the stained glass yep. now throw this thing at it <laughs> But it's priceless. It's priceless. It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead and make an athletics check. All right, I'm going to... I will have no athletics points left. <laughs> Fall every time I walk because I'm taking three on this. <laughs> <laughs> so that is all of my... I had six, so I'm done. Five. So a total of eight. So you throw the bracelet at the stained glass window... And all three of you at the same moment see that it's very on target for one of the uh, webs of black rock. And it comes into contact with the, with, the, with the black rock. And it cracks the glass very slightly and then falls to the ground. Nothing else happens. And I think this moment actually is a good one to use this, um, this term in the, in the game called a... 
which is that's the technical term in the game, um, and it's it's a it's a special type of partial refresh um, where the group thinks something is going to happen and then it ends up not happening. And it seems to me like you all thought something would happen. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give you each a, a, a two point refresh in composure. Um, once you see that, other than a little bit of a crack in the stained glass, nothing. Another terrible thing has not happened at this moment yet. That's that's good. Uh, uh, Francis, Don, tell me, are either of you, and I'll crack my fingers, either of you particularly musically inclined? I think music is a particular waste of time, so no. Now, on this we agree. Uh, and I will go, and can I go and sit at the organ? Sure. I'd like to look, and I'm... Monty is not particularly experienced with organs as a thing, but, uh... No jokes, please. But, uh, (laughs) there... He'd like to look to see where the rocks... Where the black rock seems to be going into... Like, if there's particular pipes that the black rock seems to be connecting to, to the organ, to see if he can match... If he can figure out a key that will play one of the organ pipes that is explicitly connected to some of that black rock. So I think that music would fall either under culture, with Don- which Donald has, or miscellaneous, which you have, mm-hmm, Monty. Mm-hmm. And so I think by looking at it closely enough, you would be able to figure out some keys that you think would correspond with some of the pipes that have the black rock connected to them. I just would like to play one note, bri- very briefly, just a quick tap on it, because I also don't want to be making a ton of noise here at night in the cathedral, so just one little... On the giant pipe organ. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, the whole city might still hear it, but... <laughs> and we just tried to break... We just threw a rock at a stained glass window from the inside. <laughs> that is true. All bets are off now. <laughs> So yes, you uh, you push down on one key and it plays a surprisingly loud note because it's so quiet where you are. And you're not sure. Just for a moment, it seems like the organ pipe begins to quiver a little bit when you play it. Not in the way that it would if you were just playing the organ normally, but as though it was starting to come alive. I can tell you this has only uh, reinforced my disinterest in attending a Sunday service. And so then Don kind of looks down at the organ and asks, uh, turns to Monty, shall we play some more? You saw that. Right? The the pipe itself moved, uh, Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know if playing more is going to (laughs) uh, exacerbate the situation or bring us to solutions. Although those, maybe those are one and the same. (sighs) And uh, Don just kind of takes a deep sigh and then just slams his hand down where the key is and holds it. So it's like a... The, the note. So you press down on the organ and hold it there, and you hear this swell of booming organ music. 
And you all look up, and the organ pipes all start to quiver a little bit, and your hand is almost compelled to stay in place and keep the note playing. And the pipes slowly move down. They start to fold down towards you and to twine around you as the stained glass window starts to bend in. And Francis, you're the first to notice that there's a translucent, colorful glass arm that starts to reach its way toward Donald. No, thank you. And that is where our story is going to end for today. Oh, no. Oh, boy. (laughs) 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 This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Sarah Saltiel called The Doors to Heaven, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Simple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com.